Hello, adventuresses, and welcome to the podcast show for women who love horses, travel, and adventure. I'm Ota, and together with my partner Heather, I'm happy to welcome you to another exciting episode. One word before we start: If you like the show, please give us a rating or review on your podcast player, as this will help in keeping this podcast up and running. Also, tell your friends about it so more like-minded women can find us and start listening. Thank you. And today I have something special in mind. I want to talk a little bit about mythical horses. So I love horse stories, and uh, I think this is the right season for stories. In winter, we love sitting uh, indoors reading a book, and it's winter in the northern hemisphere. The days are short. The nights are long. It's not really the right weather to go out riding for hours and hours. So it's lovely to listen or read about, uh, yeah, horses. Um, super interesting topics, whatever, right? So I want to talk a little bit about horses and mythology. And I want to start about talking about horses in Nordic mythology. Because, um, well, it's pretty close to us um, in the sense of that Northern Europe is not far from here. And second of all, it's pretty well known during the last years because of well the, the Marvel adaptions, of course, um, there's all these movies about Loki and Thor and, uh, yeah, the Northern uh, Gods. And, um, yeah, as well as books such as uh, Neil Gaiman's um, Norse mythologies and stuff. So um, it's, I think, um, well, some of the myths are quite well known to us. So I want to start a little talking about horses in Northern mythology today. So yeah, super interesting topic and I love to start. Let's just go to the show. We are explorers. We are trailblazers. We love to do what cannot be done. We love to test our limits, cross borders, and we love the freedom horses bring us. We seek lands without fences. Who are we? We are equestrian adventuresses. We are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity and beyond! And now your hosts, Uta and Heather. Do you want to finally progress in your riding? Tell me if any of these sound familiar. You want fun exercises to spice up your rides. You're tired of just going around in circles aimlessly with your horse. You need clear, step-by-step -step explanations on exactly how to do the exercises you've heard about a million times, maybe like leg yielding, for example, but you can never really quite seem to get it right. You can't feel if you're doing it right or not. Or maybe you feel like your horse has four left feet. And most importantly, you wish you could progress quickly and achieve more with your rides and actually smile and have fun with your horse. My name is Coach Crystal Kelly, and this is my personal invite for you to join something I call our Guided Audio Riding Lessons. You can actually download our Horse Riding Lessons app right now in the Apple or the Google Play Store. So search for that in your phone by typing Horse Riding Lessons, or you can head over to theinternationalequestrian.com. You can find a link directly to the Horse Riding Lessons app there. You can also find a whole bunch more information as far as like what kind of lessons you'll find, even little demonstrations of how to listen to the audios offline if you don't have any internet. And with this app, it's really cool because you get guided audio lessons straight to your phone. You can actually press play 
choose the lesson that you want, whether it's a pole work exercise, a dressage lesson, endurance lesson. We have trail riding games for you to do out on the trail and a whole lot of things to just really make your rides more interesting, more structured, more challenging, and to be able to develop you and your horse so that you guys can have fun. Because really, isn't that what horse riding is all about? So head over to the App Store and download the Horse Riding Lessons app today, or you can head over to theinternationalequestrian.com. You can find a link in our show notes, or just simply open a new tab and search for theinternationalequestrian.com. I can't wait to see you guys in the Guided Audio Riding Lessons and the Horse Riding Lessons app. So, and here we are back again with today's topic, talking a little bit about horses in Norse mythology or Nordic mythology. Why horses? I always ask myself. You find uh, horses in almost all cultures and mythologies around the world, at least in those who knew horses. Um, and it's kind of not really very much surprising if you give it a second thought, because horses have been so important to humankind for so many centuries that they have always been associated with kings, with rulers, with powerful people, um, very often with the concept power itself. In India, for instance, the horse is a symbol of power and uh, in many other cultures as well. And uh, yeah, the horse has always given special properties, like properties to divine the future, properties to uh, give the owner or the rider uh, power, great power, um, the ability to reach places. Uh, horses were often associated with flying. Um, we have winged horses. Uh, in many different mythologies. So yeah, um, giving it a second thought, it's not surprisingly that uh, we find so many horses in mythological stories, in fairy tales, yeah, in, in olden stories, and that the horse has always been an animal which has been revered because of its, uh, yeah, because of uh, its um, ability to, to really cover large distances, to carry people from A to B, um, to give humankind a kind of unknown mobility, um, Horses were there when man conquered the world and, um, and they were at our sides for millennia, basically. Let's look a little bit at the horse in Norse mythology. Um, there is plenty of horses actually uh, in this in, in Nordic stories. Uh, most of, of these stories have been given to us by two books, basically the Poetic Edda and the Prose Eddas. These were books with songs, with stories, with beliefs. Um, so a lot of the things we know today about the Nordic gods come from these two sources. And the um, these uh, these stories, they tell us about a lot of different horses, basically. Um, we have the horses of the, uh, of the, of the gods, um, the horses of the Azir. These uh, horses were actually uh, mentioned by the names in the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. So we know the names. The names are often very poetic. We have, for instance... Um, Gizli, which means ray. We have Gulfaxi, which means golden mane. Um, Letfeti, which means lightfoot. Uh, Sinir, which means sinewy. And Sleipnir, which means the trickster. Um, then, so there's actually very poetic names coming down um, to us. They are often known for their, um, their colors, of course. 
And uh, I guess the most famous of these horses is, of course, the horse Sleipnir. So many of you might have heard about Sleipnir. Sleipnir is the uh, eight, an eight-legged horse, um, and it's Odin's horse, basically. Now, Odin was the godfather, the head of the gods. And, um, yeah, he, of course, had to ride the, base, the best horse of them all. So um, Sleipnir is considered the best of all the horses. And uh, with Sleipnir, Odin went everywhere. He even went to hell to hail the underworld in um in the nordic mythology which can be kind of equalized with hell so it was a horse you could go through hellfire basically and of course you rode him or he will ride him in the end of the world in ragnarok uh, in the last battle he will ride sleipnir now there's a lot of different stories about sleipnir he was a very special horse i mean he had eight legs Probably this means uh, was just a means to signify that he was very fast, uh, that he could go very far, maybe. And um, yeah, um, and the story of his uh, birth is quite interesting. So there, um, there was basically was the story of how the gods of Asgard, Asgard was the seat of the gods, um, came to have a wall. And Asgard was always threatened by different forces, uh, least of all the giants and, well, other um, dangers. So it was actually a very good thing to build a wall. So the gods for many, many months or years actually argued that they wanted to have a wall and who would build it. And um, finally, an unnamed uh, builder came to Asgard and he offered to build a fortification for Asgard. So um, basically this fortification would be so strong, it would be a wall, very mighty and very high, uh, which would keep out all the invaders. But he asked for three things. He asked for the sun, the moon, and he asked for Freya. Uh, so of course they debated and Freya was not very happy that uh, she was supposed to be an exchange, um, that, he had to, that she would need to marry some sort of, you know, unknown person. Um, but the gods finally agreed to this, um, but placed a number of restrictions to the builder, including uh, that he had to complete the work within one season, which, of course, they thought was impossible. So they basically ma made a deal. If he would be able to make this wall and conclude it in one season, he would be given um, his demands. Well, so he started with on. So he started with his work uh, together with his stallion um, Swadilfi, Swadilfari, um, and he built all summer. And he made very fast progress because uh, Swadilfari was very uh, strong, and he would howl the stones. And um, then, yeah, he was just building it. So they were really making fast progress. And well, finally, a couple of days before the deadline. Um, the building was almost completed and the gods convened. And of course, they were like arguing again and because they didn't want to give away the sun, the moon and Freya. It was impossible demands. And um, finally, they remembered that it was actually Loki who had proposed that they would just, um, you know, given these uh, uh, these convention to the to the builder and that he would actually not be able to meet the demands and they would get them the wall for free so after all Loki was to blame so they declared that Loki would face severe repercussions if he did not come up with a scheme that would cause the builder to fail or forfeit his payment so Loki was pretty well afraid and he decided that he would think of something 
whatever it would cost him because he realized that uh, he had to stop the builder somehow from completing it. So that night, um, when the builder drove out to fetch the stones with the stallion, um, a beautiful mare met them in the woods, a mare which was clearly in season. And in fact, this mare was Loki in disguise because Loki could change shapes. He was a shape shapeshifter. So the the mare approached um, the he he approached um, Svadilfari, and Svadilfari, of course, became frantic, and he tore apart his tag and ran away towards the mare. The mare turned away and ran into the woods as fast as she could, away from the stallion, and the stallion was following her. The builder chased after them, but quickly realized he couldn't catch them anymore. So he had to try to complete the work by himself and was, of course, not as fast. And by the end of the day, he didn't manage um, to complete the wall within the deadline and um, the gods didn't have to, you know, um, meet their part of the bargain. The builder finally turned out to be um, to be a giant, and um, there was a battle in which uh, he was killed by Thor with his um, with his hammer Mjolnir. However, um, yeah, due to finally what happened is that uh, Svadilfari, the stallion, was not found anymore. And uh, Loki also was not there and he stayed away for months uh, from Asgard. And when he finally came back, um, he brought a foal with him, a grey foal with eight legs, the famed horse Sleipnir. Uh, nobody dared to ask him any questions, but um, yeah, and Loki was not very happy um, talking about where Sleipnir actually came from. But he gifted this this very beautiful foal with eight legs to Odin, and um, yeah, it grew up into the best of the horses. So that's the story of Sleipnir, which I find very endearing in a way. And Sleipnir is very famous. You see a lot of, um, also a lot of, paintings depicting Sleipnir and he's very often named and there's lots of stories associated with Sleipnir as well how Odin rode him into hell um, into the underworld and back how Odin basically rode him everywhere um, how Sleipnir was a kind of connector to of the worlds um, how he brought his rider from the proper world of the human beings to the world of the gods to the underworld from sky to earth and and back and how the horse basically was seen as a kind of connector and how Odin roamed the world on his horse and here's an interesting story or an interesting parallel I think um, many of you have probably read or watched a movie a lot of the rings and um, <clears throat> there are strong parallels between Odin and Sleipnir and uh, and Gandalf the gray or Gandalf the white later um, there is he, Gandalf was clearly modeled on Odin uh, riding the world um, collecting information trying to keep things in balance as well and um, yeah uh, Gandalf was riding Shadowfax gray horse as well uh, not with eight legs that might have been uh, too closely related but definitely a grey horse and uh, if you look at the Roharim the, the people of Rohan uh, there's a lot of parallels to the Celts or to the Nordic people if you look uh, clear so clearly um, Tolkien has uh, well has modeled um, his stories a lot on the Norse mythology um, the four legs could also be one of these few remnants um, of the Indo, of the proto-Indo-European uh, religions and cultures. Um, we have this theme 
uh, like, you know, um, Sleipnir is basically born with an extra set of legs uh, representing an original pair of horses. Um, he's also responsible to carry the dead to the underworld. So there's a lot of parallels here um, between some Celtic um, cults, basically, and as well as some of these of the Indian stories uh, still circulating of the myth circulating in, in India. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I find uh, I find Sleipnir definitely one of the very fascinating figures and horses in uh, Norse mythology, but he is not the only one. We have also, as I mentioned, there is a list of horses uh, associated with each of the gods, um, and it's a long list. Uh, there's two other horses which are quite famous. That's Skinfaxi and Rimfaxi. Um, Skinfaxi was basically the horse of Dar, of the of the uh, god Dark. Dagr Dagr was the god of the day, and Not uh, was the goddess of the night, and she rode the horse Rimfaxi. So uh, Skinfaxi basically means shining mane, and Rim uh, Rimfaxi means frost mane or frosted mane. So of course, uh, Skinny Faxi is depicted as um, as a grey, while Rim Faxi is depicted as a, as a black horse. So it's basically the horses of night and day riding across the sky. There's a couple of different stories um, where chariots are involved, but um, also the story where uh, Dagger and Not ride their horses across the sky. And what's fun, what's interesting, what always has kind of caught my imagination is that um, the the dew out there in the morning is basically slobber from Rimfaxi's uh, bit, um, which has fallen to the sky. Ever since I read that, I always look at um, at the dew in the morning in a different way. Uh, very nice stories um, and quite common as well to have this kind of story that sun and moon were basically drawn over over the, the sky by well either chariots or by riders or whatever. So it's quite quite nice actually the story as well. And then there is um, there is also a, a very beautiful fairy tale about um, about the horse Gulfaxi. Um, Gulfaxi basically means golden mane. Um, now there is um, an Icelandic folktale called uh, the horse Gulfaxi and the sword Gunfeder, um, which basically talks about uh, yeah this golden horse and a sword, and um, is quite interesting as well. Um, there is of course. Yeah, a, a prince, a handsome prince meeting a little girl and the girl is basically the daughter of a, of a giant and um, he and the giant owns the horse and the sword and basically uh, Sigurd, the prince, rescues the daughter and kills the father, the giant. I'm not quite sure always of these stories, like if the daughter really wanted her father to be killed, but in the story, she was very happy to be rescued and he takes the horse and the sword. And of course, they marry in the end. And he also rides uh, towards the rescue of his, of his stepmother, who was charged with his murder on this horse and uh, comes back in time to set everything all right. So it's a Kind of very nice little story here, an Icelandic fairy tale, uh, and yeah, about the horse Gulfaxi, which was very beautiful and very fast and had the golden mane. What is actually a very interesting fact is that the god Thor 
doesn't seem to have a horse. Um, it's pretty telling and does make sense in the context of his position as a god of the common man in contrast with Odin, who is quite clearly a god of the nobleman and very fancy god in a way that more of a shame of a shaman troubling uh, sky and earth. Um, and Thor is more really the god of the common people. Um, so it's again and again said that he travels on foot and does not have the need for a horse. So there is another interesting story how he basically wins a horse. Um, and that's a story of well, it's a little bit of a longer story, but I will quickly tell it here. Um, there's one giant and he's called uh, Rungnir. Rungnir means Odin. And both of them basically fight about who has the faster horse. Um, Odin wins with Sleipnir, obviously, because Sleipnir is the best of the horses. But Rungnir's horse, Gulfaxi, another Gulfaxi, is at least that fast uh, that he basically reaches Asgard as well. Um, so finally, he's invited uh, to the gods uh, for, well, a f yeah, a, a dinner, basically. So um, now Rungnir uh, joins the gods in uh, at dinner at the table and he drinks a lot. He drinks too much and uh, drunk. He starts to, um, you know, he just starts to talk uh, in a bad way that he wants to uh, to kidnap Freya and Ziv and that he wants to take Valhall to Jotunheim, the home of the giants, and that he wants to destroy Asgard and kill the gods. Yeah, and they basically get tired of him and uh, his talks and they call Thor. And uh, Thor basically threatens Rugnir that he will kill him. But Rugnir doesn't have any weapons. So they decide uh, to, to fight hand uh, and hand. So they, there's, they start fighting and finally Thor basically um, kills Rugnir because, of course, he's the strongest of the gods. And uh, what happens is uh, his hammer basically... Um, totally um kills him and but uh Rugnir throws his um like a stone and one of the splinters uh, gets into Thor's head um and he falls in death he falls on top of Thor and Thor uh, on his on his leg basically and he can't he he lies under him and he cannot um free himself so his son, Magni, who's at that time three years old, basically helps his father and uh, and throws off Rungnir off, off his leg. So um, because Thor kills him, his horse, um, Gulfaxi, is now Thor's. But Thor doesn't have the need of a horse, so he gifts this horse to, to Magni, basically. So we can see that Thor definitely does not associate with horses, only... Um, Odin and some of the other gods have horses. But there is, as I mentioned, there's a big list of horses um, in the Eddas, mentioned in the Eddas uh, by name. And uh, there is a lot of uh, of the gods who ride into or who are going to ride into the last battle of Ragnarok uh, on top of horses, including Odin on Sleipnir and uh, yeah, some of the others. Except Thor, he will walk. Yeah, now, of course, um, the horse is such a prominent animal in Norse mythology. And this is definitely nothing uh, surprising. If you look at the horses we find in what's today Scandinavia, um, the Vikings had horses, there's lots of horse breeds till today. 
Um, we have, of course, the fjord horses of Norway, the Gotland ponies of Sweden. Then there's a lot of Swedish and Norwegian draft horses. Um, smaller draft horses, they're not quite as big as Central European draft horses, but nevertheless, they're quite strong and um, they must have been very useful for agriculture, for pulling loads, for bringing home uh, lumber. And then obviously the, the most well-known horses of Scandinavia are the Icelandic horses uh, of Iceland. And they were, of course, famed all over. They're famed till today because they are such strong horses. They're small but strong. And they can basically traverse the rough territory of Iceland very fast and very comfortable for the rider. So it's, uh, yeah, it's no surprise. I'm sure um, the Vikings of old knew these horses. They bred these horses. And the horses helped them in their daily life. Um, they lent them speed. They lend them um, their stamina and um, yeah, they, they just help them traverse the countryside, going to places, um, surely riding in battle, even though probably um, this was not the main um, way of battling because many, mostly the Vikings traveled by ship um, and were famed seamen of course as well and of course um, seamen don't really have a need for horses. But nevertheless, um, I'm very sure that the horse was an extremely useful animal in Scandinavia with the hard winters, extremely adaptable um, to their to the climate, uh, to the countryside, which can be quite rough, particularly in Norway and Iceland, uh, where there are lots of mountains, fjords, uh, ice fields up in the north. Um, so it was um, very important to have a, a small, rugged, strong horse, which was able to carry the riders from A to B, fast, traversing rough and, uh, yeah, and just rugged countryside. Yeah, so that was it um, for this episode for today. I hope you enjoyed hearing some of the stories of horses in Norse mythology. I'm sure I'll make another episode eventually about mythical horses because we really find horses in almost all the mythologies around the world from Scandinavia to India, from Northern Africa to really pretty much everywhere. The Native Americans had the mythological horses. So um, horses clearly occupy a very special place in human history, in human mythology. Um, yeah, just with us in our daily lives, even if today the horse is kind of in most of the countries just an animal of leisure, um, a, a kind of, you know, treasured possession, but doesn't help us anymore in our daily life, at least uh, in most of the countries. Of course, there's still an exception where people really live off the horses and uh, have horses for their for their income, for the daily, uh, for the daily life, for their um, for their bread and butter. But um, nevertheless, we still river horses. I think horses still have a very special way of connecting to people. I think seeing a horse for everyone, wherever people are coming from, is always a little bit different. It's always something more special than seeing a cow or a pig or a common animal. Horses are something special because of our common history with horses. And that's it for today's episode. Heather and me want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Equestrian Adventuresses podcast, the show for women who love horses, travel and adventure. Are you missing a topic or have an interesting story to tell? Contact us through our Facebook group or send us an email on podcast-show at com. For all information on this episode, 
check out today's show notes. You can find the link in your podcast player window or just go to the Equestrian Adventurers' website under podcast. Here you can find all the information about our virtual workshop, Adventuring with Your Horse, our latest free travel guidebook, The Ultimate Equestrian Adventurers' Bucket List, or our 1000 Miles Challenge. So long, everybody. Happy trails. <laughs>